What we do here is go back, 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 back. You are listening to the It's Not About You podcast by Felicia Baird. This is a lifestyle podcast where we talk all things business, self-love, spirituality, and how people are giving back to the communities around them and building them up all at the same time. Each week, we have real, raw, honest conversations with inspiring people who are doing really cool things, expanding us, growing us, and making us realize we're pretty friggin' amazing. And we have everything inside of us that we need to do really cool things too. I'm your host, Felicia Baird. Are you ready? Let's do this. There was definitely a point in my life where I was really getting into health and wellness and um, kind of got started learning about what's in food and how to navigate food and navigate my own health in general. Um, and I was just trying everything on Instagram, everything that Instagram told me to, um, MCT oil, adaptogens, gym memberships I couldn't afford, classes I couldn't afford, like herb infused tonics on the regular. And, um, someone came up to me and was like, well, you've been taking that herb for a while. So how, how do you feel? I was like, uh, I don't know. Question mark. Like I didn't even have the awareness of what was happening to my body. I was just doing anything that Instagram was telling me to essentially, (laughs) or what like these magazines or these articles were telling me to. And I was spending a shiz ton of money on it. And having no kind of mind-body connection about how it was affecting me. And that was my first taste at, you know, what it means to start listening to your intuition. And that health journey kind of spread into the beginning of Root to Rise, which is now my private practice for one-to-one health coaching. Um, I say health advising because coaching seems like when you come talk to me, I'm going to make you run laps and sprints. So I just prefer (laughs) advisor, a health advisor. It seems like more of a partnership to me and that's what it is with my clients. Um, but what it comes down to is the science-based approach of behavior analysis, which is what my master's is in. And then the holistic mindfulness, intuitive approach of integrative health. So I bridge those two together and see mostly it's one-on-one clients. I do do group coaching as well, but it's listening to your intuition. It's crowding out all the BS that we're consuming on a daily basis, especially as women and just tapping into what works for you, what works for your body and what works for your health. Amazing. So if you are tapping into your intuition, I mean, tapping into your intuition is already such a hard thing to do in like your day-to-day life. Um, You know, just really strengthening your knowing in life in general. So how would you, how does it look to break that down to food and your health? I think it's this nice, easy thing to say, like tap into your intuition, but what does that even mean? Um, And it's like, Intuition is definitely a buzzword that floats around a lot, especially when it comes to wellnessy practices. But 
for me, like I said, when I was getting into it and I didn't know how to listen to my body, I didn't even know really what that meant. Um, that was kind of the start of it for me and the start of how I like to think about it. So it comes with a trusting of your body, tapping into a time where you were able to make a decision that was based on your gut. You basically went with a gut feeling and it turned out in a way that altered your life. And it could be leaving a relationship. It could be starting a new job. It could be moving into a new apartment or getting out of these major life situations because our gut instinct told us to. And um, that right there is listening to your intuition. When it comes to food specifically, there's a lot of content and a lot of BS around should. And we should be eating chia seeds because they're a magic food. And we should be, you know, having a smoothie for breakfast every morning. Like you should be eating kale, but I hate kale. I hate it. Exactly. Like I'm not going to eat this. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Good for you. You shouldn't eat it if you hate it. (laughs) There's so much should and should can come from outside sources. It can come from inside ourselves. Um, but there's a lot of should and crowding out that should is really, really can be transformative, you know, and it, it it's with food and it's with anything else. Relationships, I should stay with him because he has a good job or we've been together for so long or I should stay in this job because, you know, it makes sense and finding a new one would be hard. Mm-hmm. But at the at our core, what are we doing and how are we, you know, playing the game of life to ultimately you know, succeed and feel good about it in the end rather than like the day-to-day shoulds, if Mm -hmm. makes sense. So how does that feel? Um, What does that look like when someone comes to you and, you know, they're trying to map out what they want to eat? So, I mean, I would assume that you can't tap into their intuition. So how does that help with like, how do you incorporate that? Yeah. So one thing that I do that's a really tangible thing that anyone can do is a nourish and deplete chart. And this kind of gets you going and gets you in that mindset of how things are affecting your body, food specifically. So it's as easy as a piece of paper with a line down the middle. One side is nourish and one side is deplete. And the nourish sides, you can just begin to take note of foods that are making you feel good. So, um, you know, for me, it would be spinach makes me feel good. Eggs make me feel good. Green tea. Um, and then on the other side, the deplete side, I would put things like peanut butter, bananas, make my stomach hurt and just taking note of that. And then when you have this list of foods that you are in tune with and how they make your body feel, you can put it on the fridge as a reminder, you can bring it with you to the grocery store. And it's just a way to start to notice how different foods are affecting your body. Mm hmm. And it, like you said, it varies for everyone. So kale could be on my nourish chart, but it's on your deplete chart. So it's it's more about listening to, um, you know, how things are making you feel. And it could be anything from this food gives me a headache. This food gives me energy. This food makes my stomach hurt. I have trouble digesting this, whatever it is. Is kale on your nourish chart? Yeah. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. It's disgusting. (laughs) I prefer spinach. Yeah, me too. 
I can eat yeah. all of the spinach, but with kale. And yeah, it's true because people are like, well, you should be eating kale. It's like, why? Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. Yeah, why? It doesn't exactly it doesn't blend into my smoothie. It's just gross. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Are you buying frozen kale? No. No, well, I'm buying like the groceries. Switch it up. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> I'm a big fan of having the vegetables already frozen to put in your smoothie. Is it easier to like blend? You don't taste it as much. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it's cold. Okay, good to know. I'll switch it up. <laughs> Pro tip. Pro tip, thanks. Um, so when you started getting into this, um, how did it feel to be an advisor to people? And what made, I guess what made you feel... Like, this is something you could do. Like, you're just like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Well, it's funny because when I first started seeing clients, I was like, well, I have my master's and I have this certification and I just came off this big promotion in this other job and I live in Manhattan and these are my prices. And then I was like, you know what? I don't know what the heck I'm doing. (laughs) Who do I think I am charging (laughs) this much money? (laughs) Like, it was absurd. So I realized that I had to bring that price down and kind of get myself to align with it in terms of confidence um, and trusting what I was putting out into the world. And so I kind of had to, you know, play with that a little bit. And also, I think it's kind of a never ending learning process because every client is different. My approach is super individualized. So it's a game and it's a journey and it's this path that the client and I kind of co-create. But at the beginning, it was definitely terrifying because I was so used to working in a completely different realm. I went from working with kids with autism. Well, I went from working with kids to working with adults mm-hmm. uh, and the kids with autism to adults with, you know, day to day life health questions. It was just a big difference. And um, it took me a little bit to get in the groove and figure out what worked for me. But I, um, the certification that I went through, they give you a lot of outlines, which is hugely helpful, but it also can hinder the intuitive process for the coach. So I was following this outline and I was like, well, this is stale and boring. And I can hear that the clients also are thinking this is still boring. So I sat down one day and in like 20 minutes at most, I wrote down an entire kind of plan of everything that I wanted to come get across, everything that I stood for, my philosophy, all of that. And once I started spreading that to clients and, you know, having that come across during our, our calls and our sessions, it was so transformative, made a huge difference. Would that help? Did that help with the aligning process? Totally. Yeah. Because I felt way more confident spreading something that I knew was true for myself and that resonated with me and I was excited about. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's the problem is getting getting your confidence level up to the point where you're just like, well, what makes me that person to talk about it? Like what, who am I to say something like that? Yeah. And it's it's when I started doing this was the first time that I really heard about imposter syndrome. Yeah, and I was for like, sure. oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're describing me. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm like so entrepreneurial focused with the you know the podcast, I listen to the books I read, and articles and all that. That imposter syndrome comes up all the time. Yeah, for I'm sure. Like, what a funny concept. Really, what it means is we're all running around with no idea what we're doing. 
and pretending that we do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one knows what they're doing, but trust me because I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, but pay me. <laughs> pay me and I'll tell you something. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh gosh. So how long, uh, how long do you think that process took for you to align with your message um, and really get s- solidified in the ground to teach this? It took a while. It, te- it, it, it took months for sure. Um, it's still new. So I'm still figuring things out. I feel insanely more confident and trusting of what I'm doing now. Um, it's more so the back end business side of it that I'm struggling with. Um, just because again, I, I have no background in business and when it's just me, I'm like kind of flailing and I will do things on a whim rather than like sit down and chart things out sometimes. Um, so that's been a struggle and something that I'm working on doing is really having that organizational piece down but it takes a while. And I think with things like this, it's kind of never ending because there's always something to learn. There's always room to grow. There's always a new perspective, which makes it really fun and really interesting. Yeah. Constantly like learning new things for sure. Did you ever have a moment of, no, I can't, this isn't, I can't do this. This is too big for me. Um, I definitely had a moment where I was like, what did I do? I had all these strengths that I was utilizing in a really positive way, you know, with the, with working with kids with autism. And I was frankly really good at it. And I really did love it. And there was a time where I was like, Oh shit, like maybe that was really where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm dealing with something completely different. And these people are trusting me and it was kind of like this freak out, but I spun that around and realized, yes, my strengths were that behavioral approach. So that's what I need to focus on moving forward. I was good with working with kids with autism because of my behavioral background. So, and that's what, you know, keeps me separated with health advising is that behavioral approach. So if I'm playing to that and that's my strength and I'm not trying to be this person or be this person in the health and wellness world, then I'm, I'll succeed. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to get caught up in like the the vibe of Instagram. Like I literally had to take a break for a month. Cause I'm just yeah. like, everyone else's profile looks better than me. Like everyone's message sounds better than mine. Like who, like I can't stand out in this world. It's crazy. So it's just, and then I'm just, I've, I have this person that was like, Oh, just do these presets and whatever and make your Instagram look pretty. And just, it'll help with your message. And I'm just like, uh, I don't want to do any of this stuff. I'm just going to post pictures and I don't care how pretty it looks. <laughs> And just like send a message and I don't care how it sounds because it sounds good to me at this moment. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, for sure. I know. There was a while where I was trying to be a lot of things to ultimately figure out what I wanted to do. So I was doing like putting out a sugar cleanse and trying all these things and posting all these things. And I was like, wait, this is not my my strong suit. I will refer out if I need to for these things, but I need to focus on what I'm, I know I'm good at. Mm -hmm. But that took a while to figure out. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, And so how did you make the switch over from autism to, and children to adults? What made you want to do that? So I have always been really passionate about healthy 
having a healthy lifestyle. I've always been really healthy and I am so grateful for my parents for that because they brought my sister and I up uh, very, very healthy. I always did sports. I was always really into meditation. Again, I thank my dad for that. Um, and these mindfulness practices. And, um, when I was living in LA, I was working with kids with autism and I'm, you know, that's like the Mecca of health and wellness. And I saw all these people living that life in a way that I really, really wanted to be a part of. And when I was getting my master's in behavior analysis, the focus is not autism, it's behavior. And a lot of the jobs with behavior analysis are with autism. So that's just the path that I was down. That's how I got into it. And, you know, the path that I continued to go down but then I realized that everyone has behaviors. Everything kind of is a behavior. And I realized that there was untapped territory when it comes to health and healthy habits and behaviors. And there's not a lot of focus on uh, you know, behavioral research when it comes to health. So that became my focus is how can I go into this uncharted territory and help people ultimately. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how my approach really became about merging that intuitive mindful process with also the science research based behavioral approach to create habits and then make them sustainable. So how are they going to last? Because that's the hardest part. You can give up sugar for a week, but, you know, the end of the week, you're probably going to eat a lot of sugar. Or you can meditate for five days, but then are you still meditating, you know, a month from now? So that's the hardest part, I think. Consistency. Yeah, that sustainability piece. Mm -hmm. And is there something that you do to help people incorporate to be consistent in that? Yeah, it depends what it is. So there are a lot of different reasons that people will come to me, whether it it could be as easy as I want to, or as vague, I should say, as um, I want to be more mindful. It could be I'm training for a marathon and I want to get this, you know, on track or someone just needs accountability and they just need that phone call each week to say, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm still doing this. That's it. That's it. Um, and then there's, you know, starting from the bottom up with food and nutrition. So there's a lot of different ways that all these different things can, you know, be sustainable. And, uh, the most important thing is the why. So why is this important and what is the function of the behavior? So for example, if you're eating after dinner, and that's a habit that you is not serving you um, every night after dinner. You have sweet. So we can say, okay, yeah, that's great. Uh, we can break that. You just have to brush your teeth after dinner. And then, you know, you'll have that minty taste in your mouth. That's a thing that I've heard. Okay, great. So I'm going to brush my teeth every day for five days. On the sixth day, I don't want to brush my teeth. I just want chocolate. Yeah. Or I just want cookies. Yeah. 
So we didn't, by giving that recommendation to brush your teeth after dinner, that's not getting at the core of anything at all. So that's what I mean by the function of the behavior. So why is this happening? Why do you need to work? Why do you need to eat after dinner? Is it because you haven't gotten enough protein during the day? You're so hungry. Is it because you want to engage in an activity with your roommate or your partner and they're having something? Um, is it because it's comforting? Is it because you like the taste? There's a ton of different reasons for different habits, mm -hmm. but the sustainability piece is getting to the function of that, which is really what what is that behavior telling us mm -hmm. and why? And you help them break that then, down. Yeah. And then why is changing this important to you? Um, is it because of outside sources? Is it because of a should? Is it because of something in the past? Is it because, um, you know, what, what is your why? And coming back to that always makes a difference. <sighs> That's so relatable to me being on the road right now, like last night I had the best workout. It was my first workout in like four days, but when you're eating, you know, Southern food and you don't usually get it, you need a workout. And so I was like, I felt so amazing last night. It was like eight 45 and then the crew wanted to go out and I was like, oh, I really want nachos, but like, I just had a great workout and like, it's eight 45. Do I really need to eat nachos? And I had nachos and then I couldn't sleep. And I was like, man, I should have listened, I guess, to my intuition <laughs> telling me yeah. to just fucking have a shake. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it was good. <laughs> but yeah, it's if you're hard, doing that all the time, it's a, it's, a, it's a learning process. For sure. To just say yeah. no and just be like, no, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so what would you say to someone who's wound up in that Instagram world right now, trying to find that diet that's working for them or, um, you know, that lifestyle that's working for them, but they can't find it <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, you're like been so there. Yeah. I'm like, still there. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say start slow and start small. Um, it's fun to try different things for sure. I, there's a lot of things that I come out of my Instagram binge shopping sprees that I still incorporate now. And it's fun to try different things, but take note of how they affect your body. So starting small in the sense that, um, start with one fun thing. So maybe it's ashwagandha or maybe it's matcha, um, whatever it is. Just take note and incorporate that and see how it's affecting your body. There are a lot of great things out there that are doing wonders for, for you know, health and ashwagandha and matcha included. So I am not by any means saying, you know, you don't have to do those things or crowd it out. You can certainly, you know, it's fun and it's fun to experiment and it's fun to see what works, but just take note. And begin to strengthen that intuitive muscle because what it comes, it really is a muscle. And that's I, my favorite way to think about it. Mm -hmm. And we can all strengthen, you know, you can strengthen your biceps. You just have to work them out. So same with your intuition. You can certainly strengthen it. Um, you just need the tools to do so. And taking it a bit slower and realizing how things are impacting you is a good way to start to strengthen that intuitive, intuitive muscle. Thank you so much for tuning into the It's Not About You podcast this week. We're happy you popped by and we hope you feel totally broken open and expanded from this episode. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It would be so much appreciated. See you guys next week. Love you guys. Bye.